you don't think about like the anxiety and stuff that people have when they get out because it starts day one. I remember when we got there, they were like, they were looking at us. I was, dude, I'm telling you, I was 19. I was wet behind the ears. I didn't know my asshole from my elbow. I grew up in suburbia and upper middle class. Mm -hmm. And they were like, a lot of you guys are going to die in Iraq. And like, I was like, what the fuck? What's up, everybody? Tyler here from the Antihero Podcast, and I'm selling out for an ad. However, none of this would be possible on the audio platforms without Spotify for Podcasters. Spotify for Podcasters allows me to record, edit, and distribute to all audio platforms for the Antihero Podcast. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, all you need is a mic and a computer. Hell, I don't even think you need that. I think you literally just need your phone. Spotify for Podcasters is for you, so give them a try. What's up, man? Hello. So, I wanted this episode to be about boot camp stories, but I'm going to clarify because everyone's going to get pissed off. Boot camp is for the Marine Corps, and the Army goes to basic training, but everybody else calls it boot camp, right? Even Air I don't Force know. and Navy? I've always heard the term boot camp. So, it's a general term that talks about your training process when you join the military. So... In the army, it's called basic training, but it's—I don't know—I'm not gonna say it's the same thing because Marine boot camp is fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, but, that's yeah. That would be—I would say that's the hardest. Thing. Uh, but like, we, you know, we talk about a lot of law enforcement. We don't ever really talk about the military too much because. Um, oh, by the way, I'm sitting here with Sam, for our audio listeners that don't know. Oh yeah, hello. He's been MIA for a while, but he's back, barely, <laughs> barely. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so we talk, we, but we never touch on the military hardly. And we have a lot of people that message me and say like, hey, dude, you know, I'm in the military. I like your stuff. So, and then in general, we never have, we hardly ever have episodes where we just talk about funny shit, you know, take a break from law enforcement. I don't know if that's what people want. Sometimes when I do that, it doesn't get any views because yeah. we're not talking about cop stuff. Yeah, cop stuff is always viewed stuff. I don't know. Yeah. So, have you uh, have you been? You probably haven't seen any of the SWAT drama because you never check anything. No, I saw like okay, um, Mister Special Forces Beardman. Yeah. Um, I saw there was a lot of views on it, <laughs> and there was a lot of comments, and I saw long comments. So I know those are usually not like positive mm -hmm. comments, but I, I didn't really read too much into it, but I knew it was going to be funny. Yeah, because if you and that's if you say anything about any any anything specialized, if you make you poke at it or make fun of it, you can make fun of other stuff. But if you make fun of those, these guys, that's different. Yeah. And I didn't. Eat, I knew I was going to, but I knew I was going to make him upset. But I figured like the ones that got upset were going to be the ones I was talking about. And there were there were like very few and far between. But they like showed themselves in full paragraphs about. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, or everybody's always going to have an opinion about something. So getting upset about somebody else's opinion or just a joke <laughs> shows it right there. Because I'm sure the guys that, well, I'm sure there's guys that don't even watch this. They don't care. And then the guys that do watch it that don't care, they just don't care. Yeah. I have this, I figure too, like just don't listen to it. Mm -hmm. I, my biggest thing was that if somebody happened to be on SWAT and liked our show, I didn't want them to get upset because essentially like that's like someone saying like, oh, yeah, a lot of cops are arrogant. Like, I'd be the first one to tell you, you are yeah. absolutely right. <laughs> a lot of cops shouldn't even have a badge. Yeah. Well, we could talk about public service jobs and, you know, we sit on high horses because of our job. But thank you for my service. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what's your take on boot camp? No, hold on. Before we get into that, what'd you take on the OPD Seminole County? Thing? Oh, no, we can't do that because that's going to take forever. Yeah, it's fine. You said we're going to talk about boot camp and we went straight to cop stuff. Oh, man, you're right. Okay, that's fair. All right. So we both went to basic training slash boot camp in what, 07? 2007? Yes. Okay. So yeah. that was during the surge to Iraq. So President B George W. Bush 
Uh, that was his game plan is just flood Iraq with troops. Keep keep adding more troops. That'll yeah. fix the problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> keep adding 19-year-old with guns. So I went in September, and I remember when I signed up, I rode. I was doing a police ride-along with a family friend, mm-hmm. and um, and his name's Josh. And then all of a sudden, he talked me into joining the Marine Corps. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. So I got to join the Marine Corps. Well, my dumb ass at 18 got this tattoo. 18 like and so it was on my neck and the marines were like well you can't have a tattoo that shows in pts so sorry during a push to iraq they said no isn't that i would say this is something common is everybody was always going to join the marines first yes no i mean i was every story that i've heard was i was going to join the marines because i was going to join the marines. and then i saw how hard it was <laughs> <laughs> then something happened how many pull-ups <laughs> It was always I was going to join the Marines first, and then the yeah, Army accepted true. me. Because I was going to join the Marines, but I had a GED, and they said no. Really? Yeah. Man. So then the Army was like, come on in. It, that's what happened, too. The guy, the recruiter down the hallway was like, and then they were like, not only will we uh, take you, but we're going to pay you uh, a huge bonus. Like, oh, I can talk about it. The uh, It's not like it was yesterday. I got $9,000 just for being infantry. I couldn't imagine what they were paying other jobs that they actually like needed. I think the highest paying job, the two highest paying when we joined was um, transportation and like special forces. Yeah. Transportation? Yes. Because remember, <clears throat> I remember when we were going in, in Iraq or Afghanistan, the biggest thing was traveling from base to base to base. And those were the guys that are getting hit the most with ieds oh yeah because that's the main routes. yeah yeah they get shit on a lot but i mean going from point a to b was the most dangerous thing to do i need my laundry done <laughs> <laughs> and they were traveling back and forth getting bombed left and right i've talked to some 88 mics that been hit multiple times and it was like nothing to them really mm-hmm. oh man I, just uh, for transporting so they had a big bonus that you know yeah, of? they did i remember because <laughs> nobody wanted to be the driver of the tr- that's yeah I've been in the infantry too, though. That's when I went over there. Uh, uh, and we, I got. So you probably didn't get the hookup because you weren't active duty. At the, I got twenty thousand. You got twenty thousand dollars. Yes. Yeah, twenty thousand dollars quick ship bonus. Yep. Which means the day you sign the dotted line, you would be in boot camp within thirty days. Right. That's yeah. that was the agreement. So if you were like, hey, it's September first. By September thirty first, I'll be in boot. I'm a I'm agreeing to be at Fort Benning, Georgia. You got $20,000. They broke it up, and they taxed the shit out of it. But Yeah. Mine was broken up twice. Mine was I got like nine something or eight something after boot, and it was like the three-year mark I got yeah. the other. Oh, you only, okay. Mine was broken up, I think, four times, but the installment that I got when I was in Iraq was tax-free. Oh, Because okay. they can't tax it, you know. When you're overseas, they don't tax you. But so, yeah, they didn't like giving the full bonus. Yeah, so essentially, we're going we're gonna to talk about funny stories of boot camp because... They're really, it's really ridiculous. And if you're thinking about joining or you got kids that you want to join or that, you know, might want to join, you can at least hear these stories because I'm sure it's changed too. I'm sure it's become way less. I could tell you about basic training, but I, I'm, when I was, you said funny stories, the one funny, <laughs> the one funny story I do have about basic training was every soldier I met, their basic training was always harder than yours. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, you know, I like that uh, that post you have, my PTSD is worse than yeah. yours. <laughs> that you could do that with my boot camp was worse than yours. Because you would, t- I remember telling a story as a private, because that was a funny thing, was when you graduated and went to your unit, all the privates had boot camp stories, and then you feel like you're badass, but there was guys that actually had actual war stories. Because, <laughs> like, the unit I went, they were one of the... Uh, 2003 oh you know og vets going in so they had that story i had my boot camp story (laughs) (laughs) you get awards for going to boot camp Uh, Uh, but i everybody always had their boot camp was oh my boot camp they wouldn't have allowed that well the first thing that happens when you show up to boot camp is you that you go to meps you say your bye-byes to your family because you you spend the night at met i don't again this could have changed this is 15 years ago for us yeah, yeah, something like that. 2007 is when I went. So, but I, they typically don't change too much. You went to Tampa Meps? No, I went to Meps up in Virginia, where I was from. 
Uh, uh, okay. So yeah. I, so you go to MEPS. So essentially when you sign up for the military, you go to MEPS twice. You go to your first MEPS, which is they check you out, they clear you. And then your second MEPS visit is when they in-process you into the army. And then you stay the night in that city and that morning they take you to the airport. So your family can stay the night at the hotel with you, which I did. Right. So this is my like me peeking into the army. I go to MEPS. It's your first group of military friends. You're all wearing your stupid little backpack that says go army in your civilian clothes. You already feel like I'm in the yeah, army. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and then. So my, my parents, my siblings all came in, we, you know, we did like, you know, I said goodnight to everybody. They were like, go to bed early. We're getting up ass crack of dawn. We're getting on, you know, we're going to the airport. I think, I don't remember how we got from the hotel to the airport, but so I, I with me and my family, we go to bed and then I wake up to find out that everybody but me partied hardy in the fucking pool area mm-hmm. and they were all hung over and I was like, but they said to go to bed. <laughs> uh, girls were already slutting it up in the hot tub. I was like, what the hell happened? So Tampa Meps, um, they have like this hotel like right next to it. So they dropped you off and then you said your buys to your family right then and there. Yeah. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Same but thing. then you stayed the night in this shitty ass like sketchy hotel, but it was like a dorm style hotel oh. in tampa so everybody did that and your family didn't you they weren't allowing families to stay no it was uh, just yeah and you you got this room and you split this two-bedroom room with six other dudes mm. and then you waited till the next morning and then everybody left got bussed out to the airport and then flew to georgia there's really no nervousness i didn't have any nervousness I was scared. Yeah. Yeah. I was scared. I didn't. Well, I was uh, wet behind the ears. I didn't know what I was getting into. I was like, you know. Uh, Well, I had my dad tell me (laughs) some stories, but like I was scared. I was definitely um, nervous. I should say nervous. Because you have to go. So me and Sam were infantry. So all infantry goes to Sand Hill at Fort Benning, Georgia. That's the only only MOS that goes there. And every infantryman goes there. It's called OSET. OSET. Because right. we don't do a basic training, and then our AIT, it's all in one. It's all, it's like a it was like a fucking twenty week extravaganza of shit. And anyways, but as soon as you pull up, it wasn't. I know in the Marine Corps they fucking like get off my butt. It was pretty chill because you have to go to a reception battalion first. So you spend a week at Thirtieth AG, mm-hmm. and that's so you get off the bus, and they're not nice, but they're not screaming at you. And there, there's an amnesty box. They're like, anything that you got on you right now, put in this box. Like, it could have been a fucking gun, and they wouldn't have known you put it in there. It's to get rid of anything that you want to get rid of before you go in there. And uh, then I went in there. While I was at 30th, and that's when you get, you do your 24-hour day where you just, you're up for, like, ever. Mm-hmm. My phone That's my phone. Oh, that's your phone. Okay. This guy only calls me when he ever gets in trouble. Who is it? His name's Lamarcus Jackets. He was in the <laughs> army. <laughs> I gotta. I'll call him in a little bit. Um, that's where you improv. You get all your clothes. You get all your medical done. It just takes a week of. It's like really boring shit. You almost want to go to start your basic training. Yeah. Um. What did we do there? I forgot. Uh. Well, when I was there, um, they put all of your personal belongings. Right. They take your personal belongings and they put it in a giant shed. Right. Well, turns out one of the one of the suicidal guys that they just keep there because they don't want to. So when you join one out of like 15 people realize they don't want to be there. So they say they're suicidal so they can get out. Mm-hmm. So they have to or they're just they're people that aren't going to go through. They're fucking total turd people like total turd. He broke into the fucking shed and stole everybody's like at the time I had a brand new iPad. I. What, what iPads didn't come out yet. No, I know, uh, not an iPhone. What are they called? iPod. I had an iPod. Yeah. I mean, it was thick, but I had an iPod with music on it. Fuck, it's, he stole everybody's shit. And mm-hmm. then that was it. And I went to the commander, and I was pissed. And he goes, welcome to the Army. That's and then, it, yeah. And then I went to basic training. <laughs> I'm surprised you even go to the commander. <laughs> I, again, I did not know how the world worked. I was Excuse like, me, sir. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. <laughs> So, but then there's the shark attack. And then you look at that and you're like, that was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. The but AG process. Remember when they pick you up from 30th yeah. AG? So I remember they, uh, we flew in, we went there and we stayed in the barracks for like a week. And 
I don't remember what we did there, but just eat. And I remember we got running shoes. Mm-hmm. I was talking about that on the other. Uh, I don't know who I was talking to about that, but that was the only thing that made you different from everybody else. It was the color of your Asus running shoes yeah. because that was it. The rest of you from head to toe, other than your skin color, was looking like the you know you were bald and you were wearing weird glasses. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting the shoes and uh, then they shipped us off. Well, it was like what was this? up that hill and down the hill was where I was. And then I was Foxtrot One Nineteen. So your first day, right? So you're getting out of the reception town. Your first day at basic training. Your first day, as soon as you get there, which it's right down the road. Mm-hmm. They do a thing, and I don't know if they do it anymore, called a shark attack, where they're like, get off my butt, and they're screaming at you. And then they're, they're, you know, you're exercising with your bag, and it's just like a welcome here, you know, and, and again. It's they were throwing smoke grenades <laughs> yeah. next to the bus. It's a tradition that yeah. they've done, again, most likely they probably don't do it anymore. But um, And then you're all muddy, soaked to the bone, sweaty dirty and then they make you go do paperwork for two hours in in this just covered in fucking you know filth and uh and you're like trying to do like important paperwork like your life insurance policy and stuff like that so uh, i think we should have done that at ag yeah well then so that day they're like all right guys we're we're bedding down for the night and you're like oh thank god so they take you to your you know your what were you, you in a dorm i was in a trailer my, no, but yeah, they I they had trailers where we were at, but I, we were actually in the building. Yeah, so my building was being renovated mm-hmm. somehow for the entire time, so I was in this trailer. No, uh, we saw the trailers, but we actually were in the building. It's called a bay. That's what I was trying to think of the other day. It's a, You're in a bay. It's a giant, huge room with bunk beds lined up, two guys a bunk, and you have wall lockers at the end of your bunk bed, and uh, so... In the kill zone. He They brought... <laughs> yeah, where they throw... Yeah, in the middle. So they brought us in. The drill sergeant was like acting like he was cool. He's like, you know, he was talking to us. And he's like, so PT starts at 0630. Be up and ready. So naturally, everybody that's never been in the military before was like, oh, okay, we'll just get up at 615. (laughs) So the next drill sergeant comes in at 530. Everyone's dead asleep. No fire guard set up. You know, nothing. We were all brand new. No, night one. And he just starts screaming. The what lights, the fuck? What the, the fuck? Yeah, I remember the lights. Well, <laughs> yeah. mine was, I remember the lights would always come on at like five. And then and that woke you up. That click woke me up. <laughs> well, then we got, it's 530 in the morning or five or something like that. And immediately you're doing, you're getting smoked. My feet hurt. Like 200 jumping jacks right out of bed. Push-ups, air squats, just. The wor- that was before PT. That was day one. And he was like, I better not catch y'all sleeping again when I come in in the morning. Well, I'm like, dude, it's an hour and a half before PT starts. Why are we up? So that was day one. Yeah, similar mine. Day one, they woke us up, just the lights, and started yelling at us. And everybody was just running around. And then <laughs> we were PTing, PTing. And then it was after. Then we ate. And then I felt like it was, I don't know. I, I felt every day was super long. And uh, it was just very long. I felt boot camp. Was I was forever. always hungry, always hungry. I was always hungry and tired. Yeah, because you got to eat. You got three meals, right? Usually your your lunch is in the field when you're training. So usually lunch is an MRE. But you got breakfast, and we always got when we right. I got I I I believe it was two DFAC runs and an MRE. Yeah, unless you were for some reason. Yeah, in the bay. I never got to. I don't, I don't know. I I cannot remember. I just remember when we'd go to the defect, you got one blue Powerade. <laughs> you got a blue and a red Powerade. I don't think that again, they're probably trying to replace your electrolytes, but it's a it's a thing. Everybody in the army at that time was gonna go, Oh yeah, I remember you got one tiny little glass of red and one tiny glass <laughs> of <hotel> blue cups. <laughs> red and blue. And, and you, you had to, we had to drink it. It was like we had an order to eat for us. We drank it, ate, and then drank it, and that was it. Oh, you guys... And we had, like, a time limit. Yeah. yeah, we had a time limit. Like, if you were the last guy in line... You right, were screwed. You were screwed because by the time you're sitting down, it's as soon as the first person's finished, you're done. And mm-hmm. it's usually that ass kisser that wants to be, tell the platoon guide, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And so, 
uh, like I'm done. And then you're literally taking your first bite and you just got to go slams the table. Yeah. He goes, everyone's done. (laughs) And you got to stand up and go. I was stuffing shit in my pockets. I I was that guy. I was just apples and stuff. So fucking hungry all the time. I cried once. Really? I think it was like week one. It just like I figured out, oh, this is going to suck. And I missed. I wanted to quit. I always like in the first 12 weeks, I wanted to quit. (laughs) (laughs) i'm suicidal (laughs) yeah but i never i never let it known because like since it was all dudes there if you had any feelings or any weakness they would show it and tell everybody really yeah i had a cool bunk mate his name was hazard oh no i'm talking about the drill sergeant really yeah that's abusive yes (laughs) so like if you wanted to go to the sick hall they would punish you for your guy going to the sick call. Yeah, because if you wanted to do something, they would. It was always a punishment to do something. So, so sick call is where you go. So in the army, you're still a human being. If you're sick, you just can't call out of work. And sick call goes from the day you start basic training to the day you get out of the army. You have to go to sick call, right? So you can be excused for the day of training or whatever. But it was a shitbag thing to go to sick call. So you could have the fucking flu and you're not going to sick call. You just sit there and like almost die. And they shamed you. There you go. Yeah, they shamed you for going there because so many shitbags would go there just to get out of training. And uh, so, but now looking back at us now, when you're like, oh, my knee's super fucked up from the army, I want to go get compensated so I don't have to pay for this out of pocket. And the VA is like, did you get a sick call for it? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I remember the sick call and yeah, that was it. Any anything else, but. I remember he used to read our letters. The drill sergeant would read our letters uh, yeah, out loud. I, I don't think mine did. So another thing, when you're in boot camp or basic training, mail call is like everything. Yeah. Like, we, you, we didn't have phones. We didn't have no. nothing. Now they have phones. And Are stuff. they allowed to have them? I, I don't know. We would have to get a modern day guy. Yeah. A more modern, because we were modern day guys. But we'd have to get a modern day guy to figure out, and an infantry guy to see if they kept those traditions. Yeah. Like, Cause I mean, mail call was like it was like my my boot camp, my basic training was like jail. I, essentially, when we went in, the time we joined, there was a lot. Of, I say this all the time. There was a lot of go to war or go to jail kids, which mm-hmm. means that like uh, there's there's a push to Iraq. So uh, you could have when I when we joined at that time, you can have a felony just yeah, depending on what type of felony. Or kids were going to court. Mm-hmm. And the lawyer's like, Your Honor, I think my client would rather serve his country than sit incarcerated. And, you know, of course, that looks better. And then they, I'm in a platoon with these guys that have done jail time and they ran it like a jail. There was an alpha, you know, it was, they would play cards and shit. They started, they started, uh, uh, vetting in the drill. Like they were like taking over like the brain space of our drill sergeants to where the drill sergeants were cool with them. Like, like they would win over a guard. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it was the same thing, dude. Wow. Like, guys were doing whatever they wanted. Uh, they were making deals with, uh, you know. And I was sitting there crying. <laughs> <laughs> you held on to their pockets? <laughs> yeah, bro. I minded my own fucking... I was 100 and probably 60 pounds. I have a Slavic body, right? So I'm skinny fat, naturally. I don't have any muscle tone. Uh, I get really fat, really easy, and it's just... That's that's who I was. So I remember when I went there, we did our initial PT test. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do like pushups. No oh, one. Yeah, I remember. Told, I, fi- I filled my first PT. No test. one told me like, hey, get fit before you go. And I remember his name was Drill Sergeant Vance. He was so fucking like he was like very inspirational in a really negative way. But mm-hmm. he was like. Oh my fucking God, Hoover. You're a grown man and you can't do 10 push-ups. And I'm like, uh. And he's like, you know what? The tops of your arms should be bigger than the bottoms of your arms. <laughs> so just ever since then, I have like a fucking body dysmorphia and a complex, but I passed. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. They, again, it was the negative reinforcement and shaming everybody. Because I failed, and then they punished. Well, it was like eight or nine of us failed, and then they punished us for that. So then they would make everyone hate you because it was your fault. And that's how they made everybody turn on each other. Dude, I'm 35. Oh, I got a good boot camp story. Okay, I was just going to say, I'm 35. 
and I go for runs and I shame myself when I can't run my two mile in the time I could when I was 25. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I have to tell myself like, dude, it's okay. It's okay, Tyler. But what's your story? Uh, the mail call. We had a kid that his brother was in the army and knew what was happening because his brother was also infantry mm-hmm. and knew what was happening in boot camp. So he sent him a whole bunch he gay porn. And so when they um, yep, when they opened it, yeah. <laughs> if you have, if they you, had a field day with him. If you have a brother or father or friend that was in, they know how to send your mail, and it's like a code because the drill sergeant or the drill instructor will open up your mail and they'll check it. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, you know, like I put when my brother went through Marine Corps boot camp, I put Adam Hoover. I tried to be in the Army first, but they wouldn't have me. And in parentheses, right on something like that, right on his envelope. People would send like boxes of candy. That was yeah. This kid had his mom send like three or four boxes for the whole platoon <laughs> of just like uh, it was Girl Scout cookies. It was all types of treats, and the drill sergeants opened the box and just took it. Yeah, well, they would take our candy. So MREs, the 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 meals that are coming a fucking bag. They're like the end of the world meals. We would have to eat them out in the field, and but some of them would come with candy mm-hmm. and the giant bar, and they would take them. Yeah. It, it was like the knockoff candy at first. No, oh, well, uh, we had M and M's. Yeah, and then the M and M's came pieces. out. Yeah, because in boot camp, if you looked, because I looked at it, the MREs, those were the expired. Th- those are the ones that were on their way out because MREs have an expiration of ten years. Okay. Oh, so you okay? So we were you getting had cigarettes like the, in yours. <laughs> yeah, we were getting the nine-year, ten-year ones, <laughs> and so that's how they phase those out with, I guess, not wasting them. That was I hated MREs. Yeah. Well, and uh, they would be like the infantry. We we eat ours cold because the enemy will see the steam. I'm like everything. Oh. Yes, everything was the enemy. You couldn't do this. <laughs> couldn't do that. You can't. I I like when you would smoke cigarettes. You had yeah. to cup it like this because the enemy could see the red ball. <laughs> or you had your poncho over it. People would put their poncho <laughs> and smoke. When I got into, you know, it's like it's you don't think about like the anxiety and stuff that people have. When they get out, because it starts day one. I remember when we got there, they were like, they were looking at us. I was, dude, I'm telling you, I was 19. I was wet behind the ears. I didn't know my asshole from my elbow. I grew up in suburbia, in upper middle class. Mm-hmm. And they were like, a lot of you guys are going to die in Iraq. And like, I was like, what the fuck? And then, yeah, it turns out we all graduated. And then I, I can't remember his name. It like, it came in like two weeks out. Some people like literally went to their unit and then shipped off to Iraq. Mm-hmm. I had a cu- I have like I had like five mu- for six months before I went, and it was already getting around MySpace. So and so got his foot blown off. So and so died, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I would like slip across me, and then like it, it got like really real. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought. Well, all the stories that I ever heard and or anything that I watched on TV was Vietnam related. So that's what I thought war would be like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was not like that. Would you suggest doing the military to someone who is about to join right now, like an eighteen or nineteen year old kid that you cared about? So let's say like family friend or like cousin or you know. As much as I hate the government and how it works and what it does to soldiers and everything. I always recommend that every male at 18 should join. I'm, I'm one of those believers that, and at it, a minimum, you should serve your country. Yeah. That you should. Every male should at 18. And you should do. just that's, that's it. At least a minimum two years. I know four years is a long time, or a minimum of three years, but it really knocks the stupid out of you. Then you don't have yeah. to. I mean, I would suggest. And then that doesn't work all the time because how many people have we met at this line of work that's in the military or got out and they're just dog shit? Yeah. So it's not everybody. I just think it's a good experience to have. It makes you appreciate life more, appreciate the simple things. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate it showers, taking my time in the shower, hot showers. I still can't eat slow. I eat fast. Yeah, I always eat fast. I always um, eat fast, drink fast. Because of just the paranoia of yeah, the I'm, enemy. <laughs> Your fucking sellout fucking platoon guide. All right, guys, we're done eating. Like, um, But, I mean, it's a lot like prison. Not prison, jail. It's just the one I went. But, yeah. The, 
that's when I felt bad. Like I would say when I went to Iraq and Afghanistan, I was like, I couldn't imagine what prison was like because like when we were over there, you were behind concrete walls. You can only do what they were telling you to do. You did your missions and then you went back and that was repeat for the year you were there. I couldn't imagine being in a jail where it's more strict and being people go crazy. I'm out in jail. Yeah. Jail. Well, I'm talking about having that being confined for so long and have the same pattern over and over again. And it's just like a survival. Yeah. I felt like it was nuts. It was miserable. I hated it. Deployments or. Yeah. The only, the only, I would say the best part of my military career was the guys I met that we suffered together and tried every way possible to to get hammered and <laughs> screw off. <laughs> I remember, remember, I remember Iraq. It was forty dollars to get a bottle. That yeah. was like the cheapest. How did you get it? Oh, it from was, the Hajis. It was from. No, like we had we had an operation like over there in Iraq. We had an operation of guys getting bottles from the Aussies, the British. Mm. People sending in stuff. Someone sent me a bottle of Jameson from Ireland. They were Irish, mm-hmm. and they just didn't know that you know you couldn't do that. It got through. And we had we had platoon sergeants that were in on it, and they were making side money off it. Damn, bro. See, wow. and we and we like my crew was the crew to go to. We had eighty second guys coming to us for bottles. Hey, remember? I remember in um, Iraq the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Remember they shipped all that beer. Yeah, they shipped beer to us, and we took shit ton of it and kept it to the side really and then we yeah yeah i always my entire military journey was always i was always put with the people that did the right thing all the time like i remember one time in basic training we we got up and did our morning pt and there's a story that i don't want to get into essentially though we had drill start we were at the range one day Mm -hmm. and they were we had a couple drills drill sergeants that were like hey um, you're going to shoot 40 out of, you know, you have 40 rounds, right? 40 rounds in your gun. You got 40 targets. So every target you miss, that's a point down, right? And you have to get 28 or something. I don't know. Well, they were trying to teach us common sense. They were like, Hey, you know, if you're laying in this position and you see extra rounds on the ground, why wouldn't you throw them in your mag? They're mm-hmm. trying to teach you like to think outside the box, right? Well, the head drill sergeant didn't know about that. He's a, he was a man of integrity. Mm-hmm. And he found out and, like, flipped his fucking shit the next day. So the next day after the range, we all go do PT. He brings us down this hill, and he was super chill. And I was like, oh, we're about to get fucked up. And he was like, he told us a story about integrity and about how, you know, back during the initial push, like, soldiers would go into houses and just fucking rape Iraqi families and, like, women and children and then leave because there was just no account. It was war. And people don't understand that. Was that an example of integrity? Yeah, he was saying, like, you have to have integrity because you can't do that stuff. Oh, I thought he was like, <laughs> this is integrity, soldiers. <laughs> but, like, that, like, war is awful. During the initial push to Iraq, it was an invasion, and there was no fucking rules. Eventually, they're like, okay, okay, we got to start setting up rules. We got to stop freeing people. <laughs> but, um, you know, like any other war, you know, you're going to have soldiers that... What really worked out, I would say, what protected the U.S. in the initial invasion was there wasn't social media and there wasn't, like, things we can record so easily. Because mm-hmm. it was in 2001 for Afghanistan and yeah. then 2003 for Iraq. Yeah. The iPhone wasn't out. The only thing that was social media was MySpace, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe Facebook. Maybe. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember. But there wasn't anything really that, like, Ukraine and... Russia now. Dude, Everybody like has 4K phones. footage. Yeah, of people getting killed and <laughs> yeah. stuff. But yeah, that's what really protected us now, and that's why I don't think we could do what we did before. Well, did you... When I went over there, so we went at the same time, they told us, um, they were like, hey, you can't record anything. Mm-hmm. No fucking cameras, no nothing. So, of course, my dumb ass didn't really record anything. I mean, I had a camera, but we didn't. I didn't have a... 
I remember over there, like two or three guys had just gotten the first iPhone, mm-hmm. had gotten it, and then we went over there. So like two or three dudes had this thing called an iPhone, which was an iPod that was a phone. Like, whoa, cool. But other than that, there was no smartphones. Everybody had iPods and like Zunes. I don't know if you remember what that yep, is. Yep, I had the Zune. Yeah. I had what? Well, I remember I had uh, was it Iraq? Yeah, I had the Gears of War edition Zune. Yeah, it was essentially just an Android yeah. iPod. It was a cheap ass fucking. Um, but we didn't, you know. So there was no smartphones. So you couldn't record anything. The thing, the the most popular thing in Iraq for entertainment was everybody's um external hard drives with just a ton of. You'd porn. pass that with porn, and then we had a. The Hajis would is Hajis not you can't. I don't it? think so. Well, Hajis a term that they go to the Mecca, and they become a Haji. Okay, so it's not. But it, it's how twenty twenty three? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. We're gonna have to look that one up. Okay, but I know that that is the term to when they go to Mecca and they finish their journey or whatever adventure. They're Hajis. They're Hajis. Okay. Well, we used to call them the Haji Marts, where they would have on your you know on your base or the base close to you. They would have DVD. It was like a little hut full of ripped DVDs. And somehow they would get their hands on fucking American movies before they came out. And it was hit or miss. Like sometimes you'd get a really good one that was like ripped from the disc. And then other times it was somebody that filmed a movie theater screen. But I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing movies a year before they came out over Mm -hmm. there, even though they weren't the best quality. I remember watching. uh, You would get like first cuts of movies. Yeah. Somebody at Universal. Would take like I remember X Men, the Wolverine Origins. What, uh, what is that called? The uh, test screening. Yes, like, that's like people the from the movie studios in Hollywood would fucking steal these and sell them to the bootleggers and stuff, make a lot of money, and then the, somehow the Hajis would get it like, half the country or half the world away. But yeah, we would see movies, we would see test screenings. So then you'd see the movie when you're home, and you're like, "That's not how that movie ended," because it wasn't how the movie ended. You saw like the first draft of a movie. Yeah. That was our entertainment. And what was I going to say? I wonder what going to basic training with women was like. Because we... Do they mix Remember platoons? they called it relaxing Jackson? Yeah, because they would be like... the. the all right. So. <laughs> yeah, we can't... You can't be real <laughs> when it comes to that. <laughs> so... It, yeah. a po- okay. So in the army, there's the infantry. And then there's everybody else. And everybody else plays by different rules. The infantry is, you know, it's a cult. Yeah, it's you know, people join the infantry because they want to prove themselves. I think. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't have a choice because I was a failure in the ASVAB. So, but you could have still done like office supply clerk or like rigor. I remember taking my ASVAB at the Meps, and the recruiter sat down with me. He's like, "Hey, what do you want to do?" I was like, "I want to join the infantry." He's like, "Okay, because that's easy. All, yeah, that's all you can do right now." I was like, oh, "Okay, wow." Um, I did terrible because they were like, oh, you can't. This is a test. You can't fail. Yeah, you could fail it. You can. Yeah. I couldn't do anything else but infantry or the gas. Who's the, the fuel pump specialist? <laughs> <laughs> Those were my two options. But everybody. So everybody else had, you know, had integrated basic trainings. I don't know. They didn't necessarily like they did boot camp, <coughs> the graduation. Them. So and then your platoon would. Would it be integrated? Like, would women be? I have no idea. I think so. I think they they did everything together. They just slept differently. Yeah. Which I talked to guys that went to Jackson, and some of them were like, "Oh, I was banging girls left." And yeah, right. unless can. that's a, a a lie boot camp story. Yeah, I don't but, know. Well, the, I ratio should, the ratio, the ratio, because when you take when you take young people and you put them in a really stressful environment, they're gonna do dumb shit. Especially 18, 19 year old yeah. kids, and women get. They get a bad rap, and it's just like law enforcement too. I mean, they were, they were, the eighteen or nineteen. You know, a lot of women. I, a lot of women probably weren't the prettiest girl in school, right? A lot of women probably weren't. So they join the army, they lose a little weight, they pull their hair back, they put a uniform on, and then guys are like, also who haven't had strange in like a couple months. Now all of a sudden, that girl is a ten to that guy. Well, they they called it the field grade. Yeah, like she's a you know, field or she's a <laughs> field. Try yeah, not yeah. to. She was a field ten, but in real life, in real life, a if five, she's a three. Six, yeah. you know, out in the field or out in deployment, she'd be a eight or nine. Because they would get upset. Because I remember, because I was also in a pogue unit, it was like they were once attractive, and then when the guys get home, they see straight now. Yeah, and now they get with 
It's a lot like drunk goggles. Yeah. Yeah. And oh yeah, I, when you get especially when you come back from deployment or anything that you've been gone away from a year, you haven't seen anything or done anything. It's the first one you could see. Yeah, and and then after a while, but these women, you know, uh, uh, they you know sometimes maybe they went from having nobody. This was before DMs, mind you. This is this. There was nobody in anybody's DMs because DMs. There was no. Uh, was there dating apps? No. Nope. I don't know. It was just all of a sudden you had dudes not looking at you and then you had 28 dudes looking at you and i couldn't imagine having yeah. to you, it's oh it's virtually impossible to like not enjoy yourself and like sleep around with multiple because then well, would, I, like i would always say which it would never happen because it's just never i'll would, sleep with you <laughs> no i would say is like imagine if there it was a guy in an all-female unit where they didn't have access to men that guy would have done every single girl Mm-hmm. Yeah, so lots of we. Are, oh yeah, we did talk about this, didn't we? That one time we talked about integrated platoons in the army and all the debauchery that goes along with it. Yeah, guys, just males just get distracted, and, and like, and when this girl, what was her name in the? Uh, I think it was in Tennessee. The girl that slept with like six cops. The cop that slept with like six. Oh people. yeah. Oh, like that's nothing. Yeah. That is nothing compared to the military. Oh, yeah, I remember. There was a love triangle where I, we got back from Iraq. Um, my buddy started dating this mutual friend. So all my friends were dating Hooters girls. They ended up marrying a lot of these girls. Now they have kids. Smart. Family, but they were good. They were. They, <laughs> it sounds way worse than it was. Anyways. These girls were all friends, all the, the Hooters clan, and they all like got with my friends and they dated and then the, a lot of them got married. But there was one girl, um, she was dating a dude, broke it off with a dude and started dating one of my friends because she's a Hooters girl. She's like, oh, I want to date one of these guys. So they hit it off. They're lovey-dovey. Well, I guess there was some overlappage or something or some misunderstanding because Homeboy on the back end wasn't happy. So Homeboy went to their house, the girl's house. New boyfriend, my friend, opens the door and he puts a fucking 308 in his chest and kills him immediately in the living room and then sits on the curb and lets pull it. Yeah, that's an army story. Yeah. Over some fucking strange... (laughs) Yeah, there's been a, a lot of... That's well... Unfortunately, you know how the military with tons of suicides. Well, how many over there? I could tell you in in probably five years from getting back, I lost tenfold more friends to alcohol related accidents, murders, um, suicides, uh, drug overdoses. And I did over there tenfold, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like I I always say like. More people died on here than yeah, because you can't go through something like that and then reintegrate yourself. That's why, like in every war, I mean, you can. It just takes a while. Like I, I'm sure you struggled. I had my problems, and I managed to somewhat get on the straight and narrow. But like, you can't go do something like that and then reintegrate. You're gonna have problems for the rest of your life. Yeah, I would say the biggest problem, in my opinion, the biggest problem with military vets. And I I wish somebody told me about it. When you leave for the military, anywhere you go, and especially a long deployment, you step out of the world for that year. And when you come back, everything has changed and everything has moved on without you. I thought that was hard. That when I went from Iraq to 2008 to 9, I came back, the world moved on without me. And everything was a year advanced. And I was still in 2007 because that's when I left. Yeah, I guess it's yeah, it's like going to jail for a year. Yeah, and then you come back, and again, everybody has moved on. Things have changed, and it's just real tough to look. And I thought it was a pill to swallow that uh, you really didn't matter because you were gone for a year and nothing happened. Nothing really. Well, I mean, everything's changed. Everything moved on. Yeah, and of course, seeing bad things, that sucks, but I don't know. I found that to be the worst part. Did you... Uh, so, again, would you... I would always recommend it, yes. But would you recommend, we've talked about this too. To people I love? No, would you recommend doing the real shit? Or would you recommend just getting in the military, getting the benefits, getting the structure, 
getting it on your resume and then dipping out? Like, would you? I would like, okay. I Our you. sons, yeah. I would be happy with whatever branch they join. I wouldn't care if he joined the Marines, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force. Something. Yeah, it would be badass that he became, you know, airborne, a ranger, whatever, but. I would want something he can use outside of life just in case he doesn't like it. Oh, my God. Dude, we can't. And I mean, you can get creative, but when you get out, there's no transferable skills. You yeah. transfer them in your lingo on your resume, like leadership skills. I was accountable for half a million dollars worth of gear. You can start like thinking of like how it's like bullshit. Yeah, it is because yeah. you can't, you know, like my skill sets were shooting because I remember my buddy Ortiz got out. We were all getting out, and he we saw his resume, and like he was applying for like security jobs, and he was talking about how he could throw grenades. <laughs> we're like, bro, what are you putting this on there for? Yeah, I would want I would want my son to be a mechanic or something that could or something with uh, digital plane mechanics. You, or, you yeah, want him to do? I, I would. Dude, it's hard to get into because a nerd or the, the air traffic controller guy. Those make a million dollars yeah. when they get Some, out. Anything aviation or anything, um, what do you call that? Uh, cyber. Yeah, I and think hold that, and hold the clearance. Yeah, hold clearance because your SF eighty six is already done. So when you get out, like when when whoever hires you, like even if it's the government again, like if it's one of the three letter agencies or. Um, you know, it, or it's a private sector. You got to get another clearance, but. If you already had a clearance and you maintained it, ninety five percent of the work is done. Yeah. They just got to do their own little, you know, tweak to it. So, yeah, anything aviation, you know, and uh, cyber security, I think is like or nursing, even nursing. They have nurses. Yeah, but the, so they can be a nurse on the outside and make more money. Yeah, you don't. Do nurses make a lot of money? I don't know. Yes. I'm like the only cop that never dated a nurse. Okay, well, I never <laughs> dated a nurse, but I know they make more money. I think everybody makes more money than us. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to these nice houses, and they're not cops. Oh, man, we didn't talk about cop work at all. Yeah, we have to. We did, we did. Well, we got 10 minutes, but it's going to be all on you. No, no, that one's working. Oh. It just shut off, so I don't know how much actually, like, there's going to be a segment in the episode. Like, So one of our What cameras, do you mean shut off? So... Like when you hit record, it goes to sleep. No, it'll say like memory's too full, even though it's not. I don't know. I gotta get a new camera, but it uh, so it'll stop recording automatically. So oh, we okay. could it could have been one minute after I started, or it could have been twenty minutes after I started. So a so lot of this episode's probably gonna be me just sitting here while you listen to Sam talk, and I apologize for that. So amateur, yeah. But um, I don't know the cop thing. Well, that could be another segment, the officer discretion. Oh, yeah. Dude, talk about that. So is that correlate into this drama with the Orlando and Seminole? Well, I think officer discretion is less and less as time goes by because of because people take things the wrong route. I mean, how many I would say in the last three years. I probably wrote a couple tickets and that was when I was an SR and those people like really deserved it. But they never, ever show on the news like you and I doing hundreds of traffic stops of people going what triple the speed mm -hmm. limit, people with drugs, people that have committed crimes. And because they cooperated and stuff, we worked something out and not like a deal. It was I'm taking your drugs and you're going home type yeah. thing or hey. The person was like, I was running late and I was taking a chance. That's why I was speeding. And you just give them a written warning. I've done that so many times. Yeah. A lot that of I, people speeding, blowing red lights where there nobody got hurt. You got caught. And that's how it was. And, you know, some with me, with veterans, people that are veterans, I we if I find out they're a veteran, we talk. It's a, I thought it was a professional courtesy and discretion on my part. That Yeah. And so, but now that, like, I feel like if I do that, they're like, oh, you're favoring them. It's like, well, I kind of, because we did the same thing. <laughs> I am. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know, I know that because I always make fun of people that, you know, they demand the thank you for my service, but, and they did volunteer. We're not drafted. However, the other part of that was they did serve their country when they weren't asked to. Yeah. They did something for their country when their country does everything for us. People forget 
I've been to we've been to third world countries. They're not nice over there. You no. don't have freedoms like you uh, do everybody here. should have to take some kind of extended vacation yeah. to a third world country because we you, you realize what good you have it here and what they provide. Yes, we taxes suck. Everything sucks. However, everything w- nice over there we brought. There was like everything, everything, every commodity that you had that was like, OK, this isn't bad because the U.S. brought it over. Yeah. You know, we didn't end up giving it to them. Like power, you know, uh, we had a lot of troops over there that were, what do you call them? Um, people that, civil en- engineers, like a lot of our engineers on the private sector and DOD were over there building their infrastructure, mainly so we could have. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, people don't understand that this country is the greatest country. With all the problems we have, we still are the greatest country. There's... Because we're such a we're a spoiled brat country. Oh yeah. How many times have we gone somewhere and people call us and like they think that I had a chick the other we're night. Gonna, we're gonna fix everything and we do fix everything and like it's just it just blows my mind that how spoiled we are here compared I, to other places. I was on a call the other day. You know, a house got hit. Family was mad. It was one target they were after. There was a lot of people in it. Everybody got was detained, but. I was doing my street people skills and I was telling them the process and I was winning them over. And there was probably like five people that were not cop friendly or didn't have good. And that hour that I gave them and I made a good connection with them, I was like, these people are going to walk away with a good interaction with a cop. And I remember them saying like, no, 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 he cool. He cool. You know, which I don't like because I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, oh, I'm cool. This cop isn't cool. I'm cool. But it's still, and then I'm wrapping it up. We're leaving at the end of the night. Some random fucking person standing there. So we were in the hood. And uh, she, I walk by her and she says something. And I was like, mm, maybe she's not talking to me. And then I went to my buddy's car, had to go back to the investigator, walk by the woman again, and she fumbles something. And I like stop. I, I look. And she goes, I was talking to you. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. What'd you say? She goes, uh, you're a poor soul. And I'm like, why do you say that? She goes, because of what you do. And I remember, and all those people that I had just won over were standing there looking at me. And I was like, oh, sorry, you think that. This was a random person, had nothing to do with anything. She was just being a hood Karen. And then the dude that she was with, I'm assuming her boyfriend or husband, goes, so who do I talk to about? I was like, that's not how this works. And I don't know what I said. I was like, you can't just sit there and insult me to my face and ask me a fucking question. Have a good day. And she goes, uh, she's, I was walking away. She goes, you bald. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you can't I got in my car and took off. Cause I, I remember thinking when I did it, I was like, it was thinking of the time you told me you can't do anything. You're just, you get abused by people because you'll get in trouble. If, yeah, that's it. I remember, in, well, again, when people complain about the police here, uh, try well, Iraq, the Iraqi police, where they're beating people left and right or just straight killing them. Yeah, most countries police. And they'll be like, oh, the cops kill people here. No, no, no. You Every- don't know what they do over there. I remember in Afghanistan, the guys who were arrestees, they throw them in connexes, close the connex <laughs> door, and we're, we're pondering why all these people died in the connex. They would throw them in there? Yeah, and close the doors and be like, we'll get to you later. In 110 degree weather, but come back and these people are dead. They're like... But, well, yeah, that's, but that, that goes back to prisoners in any, in any state. Like, look at our prison system here or prisoners of war in World War II. It's a lot of work to maintain prisoners. If they weren't breathing, it's, you know, if they're not around to take care of, it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. So in a third world country, when their prison systems, there's no reform. Put him in context and close the door. Whoa, that's crazy. They all died. Next, and on to the next. No investigations. <laughs> Even I remember, uh, I was going to tell uh, a traffic crash that happened in Iraq. There's no traffic laws. There's no traffic police. There's no anybody that takes care of you. If you crash your car, you're on your own. Yeah. I remember they crashed the car and kids died. And it was like, say la vie. <laughs> yeah. It was like, can you get out of our way? Like, this is your problem. And we don't do that here. No. Yeah, but I would tell, I don't know how we got sidetracked, but officer discretion is going down and down, and now we have cops, and I know the, I I think that OPD seminal situation, I think just by the body cam, I don't know both of them, I don't know anything 
about their day, what happened. But for me, my view, and this is just me looking at it, was a Karen cop met a Karen cop. Yeah. 100%. Oh, that was you that told me that. Yeah. I talked to Kendra on the B side of the film, and I was like, I can't remember. I think it was Sam that told me that. Like, it was like two perfect outliers that, like, there's hardly any of them out there. A cop that would pull one over another cop, and a cop that would do 90 to 45 outside his county, and they just, they met. And it was like aligned. <laughs> yeah. A Karen cop. Cause like, okay, let's say I was speeding and let's say, you know, someone did pull me over. Um, I wouldn't have reacted like that. I wouldn't have, I would have pulled over and be like, Hey, what's going on? And they're like, Hey, you're driving like you're driving crazy or something like that. And either I'm expecting a complaint. They're going to go to my supervisor, give me a ticket or something, but I'm not going to challenge them challenge another cop because i could get arrested you get arrested you get shot yeah. you don't know there's that. so many there's so many things yeah, this could, guy's fucking pulling me over who or knows he could have been the worst day or something but at that point we tell everybody don't challenge cops and how are you going to be a cop <laughs> challenging a cop we tell them that's the worst thing to do is challenge a cop in any scenario even when the cop's dead wrong don't challenge them take it move on file your complaint sue get money because yeah. there's times where people Sue cops, sue them, and they win a lot of money. Well, yeah, because there's money set aside just to settle out of court. Every law enforcement agency has money set aside for lawsuits annually, every year. Yeah, but the the mentality... That was just a... That was just a... Every cop's like that. I mean, every... We all talk about... You have a very mature, like, veteran approach to getting pulled over because... Every cop's like, what would I do if I got pulled over? Because I remember before this instance, it's like every cop's worst fear because what do you do? You know, like, do you let that dude bitch you out or do you, you know, you get out of the uh, car? I've been, I got pulled over twice by state trooper in my 11 years. In your patrol car? No, no, no. no. Oh, oh, no. yeah. But I mean, like, that's that should be the same scenario. That's you got pulled over in a car. Especially like, I don't know, especially out of your jurisdiction. Especially well, I don't you, know. the blue line's been dead for you for a long time. Yeah, so I don't. Think I think there people isn't. are like, like really questioning, like the brother. But there's a blue line, brother. There is none. <laughs> there is none. We we we've talked about that. I said, hey, if you want to get promoted, become the IA or PSD cop yeah. who gets other cops fired. You're going to get promoted. That <laughs> <laughs> so I, that that blue line has been long gone. I would say the late '90s was the last of it. Maybe early 2000s but there, there's some cops you know that you know cops that get killed and everybody shows up that's as far as it goes but you have to get killed but no i thought that was a poor approach of how to handle a cop would you pull uh, that's a dumb question i know you would never pull over another cop no would i pull i don't i I'll pull s- over anybody <laughs> I, I i'll sit on on my way home <laughs> On my way home, there are people that blow by me. On, on, I, on the interstate? A hundred, a hundred and twenty, don't care, cut me off. And I'm, sometimes like, they're going so fast, sometimes I think they literally don't see me. Mm-hmm. Like they don't see my car. But I would say we give so much. If, if we were to enforce everything we saw in every traffic stop, we would be we'd so be the, busy. We'd be in the jail. We would have no. You and they rely. No. So, yes, you're right. Society. Our tax dollars and our leadership and the government relies on us to have discretion because if you're if you see two people and you're like, oh, that guy's committing a felony. But before you could investigate whether or not you were you had probable cause, you saw this guy 100 percent doing some menial misdemeanor and you just diverted and took that misdemeanor. That guy with a felony gets away. So you have to be like, no, I don't care about that suspended license guy because I just saw this guy. Uh. Even with felony. petty thefts and stuff like that, but and but I don't know. They people don't know how much we uh, how much we let go. As I even had people that had terrible days, and it's like it's my fault that they were speeding. And I, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't take it personal. You can't not all the time, but like some that are just like extremely rude. I'll, that's if I'm the most professional on a traffic stop. I mean, just because you're gonna get a lot of tickets. Yeah, I don't do that. I don't do the whole like when you piss me off. But I don't yell away. either because I can't. I don't have a body cam. That's con- that's considered unprofessional. Mm. So there's no more we can yell at people. There's no more we can curse at people. That's gone. So the only thing to do is just write tickets or 
take him to jail, but you have to be, you have to be professional at this point. That's what they say. You got to eat it. God forbid we react to it. You got to get verbally abused. Yeah, it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. People are just real mean. People that are not even involved in the situation are mean. People that don't know nothing. I love it when you're dealing with somebody, you're having a good correlation and then, or a good interaction with somebody. And then somebody else comes and checks on that person for them. And you'll go, do you know them? And they're like, no. And it's like, yeah, I had <laughs> you one need where, something. You, you okay, sweetie. You okay. I had one where, um, this kid, he was a bad kid. This was in a, I was an SRO and he used to run away from the school. And so one of his buddies that I was cool with told me where he goes. And so I said, okay. So one day, and they would run out this back door and they would jump the fence and it was like a prison to them and they would run. So I let him go and then I went to the gas station he goes to. And uh, at this time, I had a partner at the school. So I went went to the gas station. I'm talking to the kid and I'm just talking to him and because he's cutting school. He's supposed to be in school. And I had people filming me and people yelling at me and telling me that I can't talk to All a you're kid. trying to do is get a yeah. kid to go back to school. Until I told one person <laughs> and I made him feel like a dick. And because he came up and he's recording me, I said, this kid is cutting school. I'm trying to get him back into school. I don't want him at a gas station in the middle of the hood. Yeah. And I'm not I even. Said, and I said, this area, because it was a Texas and Americana. <laughs> I said, this is a shithole. This kid has no. Hope it is here. the worst. Intersection I want him to get back to school. <laughs> why am I the bad guy? And he's like, well, I didn't know. I said, so then why are you treating me like this? And so then. The How kid, was I supposed to know? <laughs> like, I just didn't pick this kid and be like, oh, I'm going to go after this kid. And so I end up getting back in the car and then I took him and people thought I took him to jail. Me opening the door and the kid walking in with a backpack. They're like, oh, let's take him to jail. Take him to jail. I was like, nope, going back to the school. Oh, and we took, I took him back to school. Everything was said and done. You think Jacob, Jacob would come out here with us? I don't know. To, to, He's busy a lot. What's he doing? He does. Uh, he, he, he likes doing the fighting. He fights all the time. Well, shit, yeah, you're too busy for me now. Yeah. And he you're fights. watching U571. <laughs> I'm super busy, Tyler. <laughs> that was during my detail. I want to say because he's an amputee. He's a he got his leg blown off in Afghanistan. So that you know that him and I got along when we were partners real well. And he's a cop. Yes, he was the first in our agency. He was the first amputee to ever come through. Yeah, he super in shape because I that was the thing was I was like Jacob, I'm this fat fucking schlob, and you have one leg and you have a six pack. You don't think he come on? Maybe. We get with him. That's sweet. You'll have to sweet talk him. He's just super busy. That's it. He was always fighting. Every day he goes to train to fight. His off days he fights. Or he's with his wife. And a lot of people, I mean, I'm starting to really streamline this, but I mean, it's an, it's an hour. Show up, sit down. But I don't like. They have to drive and they have to come back. They have to plan their day around it. It's a lot. For when you're working all the time, it's a lot. <laughs> it's weird, the awkwardness when people, I wish people i wish i had a separate building to do this so they could just show up and it's more like you're at a lobby you're doing your appointment and then you leave because when you're at someone's house no one knows like when they should leave and <laughs> i don't mind it but <clears throat> any, yeah that's yeah i don't know i'll get with him any, but anything else before you go no that i thought it was funny to see that the opd in Seminole county thing yeah well I think that's going to So far, we're the only state that does that. Well, at least that big. That blew up. That was national news within like an hour. People want to see that. They want to see our, our blue line brotherhood implode. That's what they would love to see that. It's like sp- spoiled ass little shit kids that want to see their parents get divorced so they can do more shit. Yeah, they fail. <laughs> but again, I would love for people to see what it's like without law enforcement. That would be funny. The purge. We need to do it. Not, not even, not even a purge. Like to go out, just it would not, be a purge. Well, I'm just saying. Like, let's just say that there's no law enforcement that you have to handle your own problems. There's people all love firefighters, but imagine that the three services—garbage men, firefighters, and police—were taken out of the equation. There'd be garbage in the streets. Nobody's coming to save you. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't you? I try to tell people at work all the time in a very polite, respectful way. You should never rely on the police ever. We were at best minutes out. So if you need something and that like 
at that moment, you can't rely on the police. And also, to be fair, I'm, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but you shouldn't rely on them for investigations either. They got You're not the only person. You don't get a detective assigned to you. Even a murder. If your family member's murdered, that detective's also working other murders. So, you know, that's why people hire private detectives, you know, because you're relying on the police and it's a well, government. Well, the police is a free service. It's a government job. Like yeah, we how? rely too much on the government. And that's what the government loves. Yeah. The government loves. I, guess I talked to a chick came up to my car the other day and she was talking about how there was three shootings and the moms in the area mm-hmm. all identified, like have the suspects based on their gang. I forget what the gang's called. And uh, she's like, we know who they are. We found them on Facebook. And she said the detectives told her that they don't have any suspects yet. And I'm thinking, like, if the moms of the neighborhood got together and well, found so these guys. Yeah. Well, social media, when it comes to that, they give themselves up. That's how a lot of homicide cases are solved because criminals can't shut up, talk about it, text about it and everything. Back in the old days, they used to put it in their rap songs. They still do. And they get arrested now. They're in jail. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Too much government. 